Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord once again and to worship this, this awesome God, you know. It's a great privilege we have as the children of God to be in the house. Amen. Praise the Lord. Without much time, let me just go straight into the word that I have this morning for you. The title of my sermon this, this morning is, What Happened Before Christmas? What Happened Before Christmas? Across the world, across the globe, people are celebrating the season, the season, Christmas season. Also, there is um, uh, people uh, observe Advent, Advent season. It's a, it's a, a month long of a season which ends on Christmas Day. People observe Advent. And uh, for those of you who don't know what Advent means, Advent means a coming of a, a great person, coming of a very notable great person. So across the world, across the globe, people are just enjoying the season, the season of joy, uh, and they're just enjoying this, uh, this particular time. They're just learning more about Christ. They're just cherishing the birth of Christ and everything. But this morning, I just want to take a couple of months back and just look what happened before Christmas. Just as we learn about uh, Christ Jesus, a couple of months before the birth of Christ Jesus, there was another very important and notable person who, uh, who was born, and it is recorded in the Word of God, which is none other than John the Baptist. We all know about John the Baptist. Well, you know what Jesus himself says in Luke chapter 7 and verse 28, that there is, among those born of women, there is no one that is greater than Jesus. John. Jesus himself gives this title about John. So as we are in this season, I thought let's take a little bit steps behind and look and learn from the life of John the Baptist. So let me go ahead. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me or turn your pages with me to Luke chapter 1. Or if you're using your smart devices, flip to or swipe to Luke chapter 1. And uh, we'll be looking into uh, a little bit and studying a little bit deep into the life of John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1. Number 1, there is do's and the don'ts. The do's and the don'ts. Number one, the do's and the don'ts. You know what? In verse 5, Luke chapter 1 and verse 5, it clearly tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth were the parents of John the Baptist. It tells in verse 5. If you know about Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke, Dr. Luke, he is a person who uses only the most important details that is necessary for his gospel. He doesn't add all those informations, just add the most important and necessary information into his gospel. But when he is describing about John the Baptist, he takes time to describe who his parents were and tells that Zechariah and Elizabeth was his parents. And in next verse, verse 6, he says like this, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and degrees blamelessly. Three very notable things, three very important things that is noted over there in that verse, verse 6. Number one, the first thing is that they were righteous before God. The second thing, they were blameless to the commands of God. And third, they were blameless to the degrees, or in other translations it says, they were blameless to the requirements of the Lord. You know, this, the... Uh, this, this, this morning when I was teaching the Sunday school for the uh, youths, I asked them a question. Uh, when God looks at you, when God looks at you, does he find you 
faithful? Does he find you trustworthy? That was a question I asked. When God looks at you, you don't have to answer me, I said. But when God looks at you, you can say for yourself, I'm so faithful, I am a trustworthy person. But when God looks at you, are you a faithful person? Can God trust you? Similarly, this morning, let me ask once again to the youths. When God looks at you, when God is looking at you, and when God asks you, does he find you righteous before him? Are you found righteous before the presence of God? Let me tell you, it's easy to observe all the don'ts in life. There are many don'ts in life. Oh, don't sin, don't do wrong things, don't, uh, don't commit sin, don't commit adultery. Don't do There's a lot of don'ts that is very easy to observe, but the do's in life is a little bit pain to observe. The do's in life is a little bit pain to observe. You can say, I don't sin, I don't commit any wrong things. Very good, excellent, but as a child, of God, your, your requirement doesn't end when you do things that is don'ts, but your requirements is complete when you do the things that God requires you to do. Amen. Hallelujah. You're required to do the things that God requires you to do. That is why it clearly says over there, number one, they are found righteous in the presence of God, but that is not yet. They did much more they observed the commandments. They, they were blameless before the requirements of God. They, they observed the commandments and they were blameless before the requirements of God. Many a times we have this question, especially as youngsters, they will have this question in their mind. Why always church? Why always church? Why buy always Bible study? Why Wednesday prayer? Why Friday prayer? Why Saturday prayer? Why Sunday prayer? Then, okay, church, put Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, everyday prayer. Why is it all necessary? Yeah. Okay, uh, you guys are not laughing, but I know deep within all, your, each one of yourself has the same question. How do I know? Because I also had the same question when I was growing up. I had the same question. As, as, as a kid, I used to go to every prayer meeting. My parents used to take me to every meeting. If there's a special meeting, I had to go. Fasting prayer, I had to go. And my parents were really strict about it. Unlike today, you can raise questions and ask your parents and say, I'm not coming. Why is this? I couldn't do that. Because the moment I ask a question like that, I know it's not my dad going to reply, but his hand is going to give an answer for that. So I quietly followed for all the prayer meetings, all the meetings, everything. And as I grew up, I became a pastor and nothing changed. I still go for all the prayer meetings. And today I enjoy it. I enjoy coming in the presence of God. I enjoy worshiping. I enjoy the fellowship. I enjoy the word. Thanks to my uh, Sunday school teachers and my pastors, my parents, I learned a lot about the word of God from them than I learned from a seminary. You know what? You come here to learn the commandments of God. You come to the church where we teach the commandment of God, where God teaches us what his purpose for our life is, where God shows us where you have to go when he leads us. That is very important in our life. That is very important in our life. Let me tell you, when you keep these commandments, when you keep these, these, when you keep these commandments, when you do what, is, what God requires of us, let me tell you, in the, the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says like this, right this commandments in your heart and then it says figuratively that you need to bind them in your hand on your forehead and around your neck it has its own symbolic meaning why the author said that and when you do that then when you come to Deuteronomy chapter 28 
There is a long list of blessings and gifts that God wants to give each one of you. This is a season where we exchange gifts. We give gifts for each other. We exchange gifts. We exchange greetings, send Christmas cards and all these things. You know, even our God wants to give gifts. He wants to exchange gifts with each one of us. Each of the youths that are seated over here, we all like gifts and he wants to give good gifts to us. But there is a requirement. There is a requirement. Let me tell you, if you want to be the recipient of that good gifts that Christ has for you, then you need to observe both the do's and don'ts in your life. Observe both the do's and don'ts in your life. Let me move ahead. The second thing is, the second thing, there is something missing. There is something missing. That's my second point. There's something missing. In verse 6, when it says that they were righteous, they observed the commandments, they observed all the things that God required of them, but when it comes to verse 7, it says, but they had no child. They had no child. They had all the blessings. They had all the gifts. They had all the things in their life, but they didn't have a child. You know, Zechariah as a priest, he might have conducted many baby dedications in temple. He might have taken selfies with many kids in church. He might have uh, done many weddings of many children as a priest. But he himself didn't have a child. There was something that was missing in his life. There was something that was missing in his life. Let me tell you, you can be a priest but still have missing things in your life. You can, be, uh, you can be just like the great commander Naaman or the synagogue leader like Jairus, but still miss a healing in your life. You can be like the widow of a prophet in the Old Testament, but still miss and have a great emptiness back at home. You can be a great uh, lead guitarist or a pop singer or a brilliant student at school, but you can still have a missing and emptiness in your life. You might not know what is my emptiness in my life. And I might not know what is your emptiness in your life. It says like this, that Elizabeth, she was empty. She was empty. The question is, it's obvious that we all have emptiness in our life. But the question is, what do you do when you have emptiness in your life? The question is, what do you do when you have emptiness in your life? Let me explain it to you. This is a glass. This is a glass. Oh, everyone knows this is a glass. This is an empty glass. Clean, empty glass. This is just like our life. This is our life, an empty glass. There is vacuum. There, we need to fill this. We have a thirst. We have a thirst for, for, the, for water. But someone needs to pour water into it. We ask God, God, pour that water and fill my thirst. And we just place our life before God. And we say, God, you need to fill this. And I, you need to satisfy my thirst. And you wait. You wait one day. You wait two days, three days, four days, a week. A month, a year, nothing happens. And then what you do? You take this glass and you take it out to the world. You take it out to the world. You take it out to the world. And you start pouring out things of the world. You start pouring into this, the things of this world. I just gave this kid a couple of things to pour into this. Just pour those things into this, this glass. Yes, go ahead. You pour the sin of this world. You pour the adultery of this world. You pour the foul language of this world. That's enough. Look at this glass now. It's beautiful, right? It's heavy too than before. And it's very good to see. And you place it there. And now God brings water, the living water, to pour into this. He's willing to still pour into this. But this cannot be drunk. 
the water that will be in this cannot satisfy your soul. That cannot satisfy your soul. Let me tell you, the emptiness that you have in your life, what are you going to fill with it? What are you going to fill the emptiness of your life? Are you going to fill those emptiness, those vacuum in your life with the things that you see in this world? Or are you going to wait for God to pour that living water into your life that can only satisfy the thirst of your life? Let me tell you, in the Bible, there were a lot of women who had emptiness in their life. Let me tell you, Sarah, she was barren for not just one or two years, but 90 long years until she had the promised son. You know what? Rebecca, she had to wait 20 long years. Rachel, she had to wait a very long years until God gave her Joseph and Benjamin. The wife of Manoah, the mother of Samson, had to wait again a long of years until God gave Samson a strong judge for Israel. Hannah, she had both oppression and barrenness in her life, yet God blessed her after a long time with Samuel who, who anointed two great kings of Israel. And the lady that we know today, Elizabeth, she waited for a long time until God gave John the Baptist. Are you willing to wait for God to do things in your life? For God to fill into your life? For God to fill the emptiness in your life? Or are you taking it by yourself and God to fill all the worthless things, all the dirt, all the, all the, the dirt and all the things that you find from this world into your life? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wait for God to fill into your life. Wait for God to fill into your life. You know what? And when you read verse 14, when you come to verse 14, it says that when God gave that gift to Elizabeth, when God gave that gift to Elizabeth in verse 14, you know what it did? It says like this, when God gave the gift John the Baptist, it brought them great joy and gladness and many rejoiced at his birth. It was not just for his parents, not just for his dad and mom, but many rejoiced at his birth. Let me move ahead with the last thing. This is a question, and with this, I would like to conclude. A question, a third one, a question. Are you a blessing for others? Are you a blessing for others? Psalms 127 and verse 3, it says like this, children are a blessing. Children are a blessing from God. But a question remains today, are you a blessing for others? Are you a blessing for others? You know, verse 16 and 17 of Luke chapter 1 gives a checklist. It gives a checklist of things that, that says that if you are a blessing, it gives a checklist. You want to know you are a blessing for others? Just go through these checklists. You are a blessing when you lead other children to the Lord. You are a blessing when you're spirit-filled and led by the Spirit. You are a blessing when you're obedient to the right wisdom. You are a blessing for others when you prepare others for the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what? You know what? I'm going to close with this. You know what? When it comes to chapter 3, chapter 1, he's born. John the Baptist is born. Chapter 2 and chapter 3, John the Baptist has grown up. He's a big man now. He's mature. But now when he comes out, he says that he comes out of the wilderness preparing a way for the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. 700 years ago, Isaiah promised that he will be the one who prepares a way for the Lord. Now, let me ask the youngsters a question. Your grandparents have heard prophecies and visions about you. Your parents have heard prophecies about you. 
But are you willing to come out and fulfill those prophecies in your life? Are you willing to come out and fulfill those prophecies in your life? Let me tell you, this is the season of Advent. You know, in the first Advent, there was a star that led the wise men to baby Jesus. You know what? Now there is a greater Advent that we all are waiting for. The second coming of Jesus Christ. The second coming of Jesus Christ. When Christ comes again, there is no longer stars on the sky, but he has placed us as stars in this earth. There are many wise men still seeking for the star. Can you stand as a star and guide them to this living Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This morning, if you're willing to take that decision in your mind, can you just close your eyes? Can you just close your eyes and place your hand on your heart and just tell Jesus, I'm willing to be a blessing for others. I'm willing to fulfill the prophecies, the visions and the purpose that you have on my life. I'm willing to be a child that will lead others to Christ. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this blessed day that you have given to us. Lord, thank you for speaking to us through your word. Help us to be that blessed once in your presence. In Jesus' most precious name we pray and everyone said, Amen and Amen. May God bless you all. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. God is good.